I am delighted to say that the Recruitment Roller Coaster podcast is back. After a busy few weeks, I'm now going to be back to sharing weekly episodes. And if you haven't seen the announcement, this podcast is now sponsored and supported by Hunted. And to kick off series two of the podcast, I'm joined by James Silverman, who is actually one of the founders of Hunted. And if you're not fam- uh, familiar with them, then you're going to learn about them in this episode. As James shares with us his own story on how he went from building a global leading rec to rec firm to now building Hunted, which is a global marketplace that connects talent with companies and puts recruiters in complete control of managing their own careers and much, much more. I'm really excited to continue uncovering the true failures, the true learnings and successes from some of the most talented professionals in the recruitment industry globally. And the reason I wanted to use that word globally is because I plan on bringing you two episodes a week very, very soon, with the second episode of each week having a particular theme. And the first theme is going to be on international recruiters, which I'm really excited about. So I'm currently in the process of lining up a number of episodes with recruiters who are based all over the world. As always, if you want me to cover any particular topics with future guests, please get in touch with me on LinkedIn. And if you know any recruiters who are based outside of the UK that you think would love to share their story on this podcast, then please feel free to put me in touch with them. Now, that is enough from me. Enjoy this week's episode. Welcome to the Recruitment Rollercoaster podcast. My name is Hisham Azuz, and today um, we're in late in the Hunted HQ offices, and I'm joined by James, uh, James Silverman, who is uh, one of the founders of Hunted. James. Thanks for having me on the podcast. No worries at all. This is really exciting. So just to um, frame up, before we have a good chat, I just wanted to sort of frame up where we are. And if you haven't seen already that I um, recently announced that I've partnered with uh, James and Hunted um, with the podcast, which is really exciting. So uh, James and his team and Hunted are going to be sponsoring the podcast, but also... I really do see it as a partnership because we can definitely help each other um, amongst just sponsoring and um, there's loads of things that we can do together, yeah. which is really exciting. Man, it's been it's been good to have you have yeah. you in the office. Yeah, I am quite loud though. Yeah, well, a lot that. of the team's quite loud as well. <laughs> okay, so. that's cool. Yeah, so I've been so we're we're recording this in the Hunted HQ offices, which is um, just right by Chancery Lane, and I've been working here. Um, for the last uh, two weeks, actually, um, which has been great. And um, yeah, we're now going to have the option to record them here. Uh, yeah. Also be able to go into people's offices. But um, chapter two for the podcast, yeah. which is really exciting. Yeah, um, well, to be honest, I, c- I couldn't really say no, really, could <laughs> <laughs> I? No, definitely not. So um, look, James, as you know, where I always, always like to start, how the hell did James Silverman end up in uh, recruitment, mate? Let's, let's start there. Um, okay, um, so I started out my recruitment career at Michael Page, yeah. and um, essentially it's my now business partner Guy yeah. who was who was responsible for getting me into recruitment. Sold you the dream. 
Tommy the Dream, um, worked with him closely on the team there, but backtrack, I met Guy, we went to university together in Nottingham, same course. So you didn't know him before uni? Didn't know him before uni, mm. met on the first day. Um, classic. Yeah, classic. We classic love, we fresh were, story. We were in the um, introduction to Spanish lecture. Oh, wow. And uh, we were both studying French. So, <laughs> um, yeah, it, 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 quite an interesting story how we, how we met, but different halls at university, but we ended up becoming good friends. We actually ran a business together at uni. You know, oh, wow. Classic student venture of running club nights. Yeah. Which was brilliant. And um, obviously that, that was how we met. And obviously, we, you know, without, you know, meeting him at university, we wouldn't be running a business together now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, he got me into recruitment. He started Michael Page probably nine months before me. Oh, really? And um, I'd been on a gap year, came back, didn't know what I wanted to do, was financially motivated entrepreneurial yeah. and yeah. it just seemed like a seemed like, like a, a good, good fit, fit. Yeah, yeah. yeah so did, did so what what was the perception of recruitment at that point did, what did how did guy describe it if you um, remember it's hard to remember i mean i didn't i remembered ironically i didn't quite get wreck to wreck as a concept mm. you're on a job board i thought guys talking about recruitment i'm going to go out and interview with different companies i'll go in and meet his his manager at yeah. Michael page as well and you sort of go onto a job board and you're applying to jobs for recruitment companies by a recruiter and you yeah. know, you're naive. You don't really understand yeah, no, that Rec2Rec Rec exists. People outside of recruitment don't know that Rec2Rec exists. Yeah. And um, yeah, I remember going to meet a Rec2Rec, being briefed on a load of different companies, went and met a load of brands, a lot of them who, you know, I remember most of them. I yeah. work with a few of them now. As well. yeah. um, but then it was, you know, it was a bit of a no-brainer. I was put on, I was offered a, an opportunity at Michael Page yeah. to work alongside Guy, building out a, a, a new division within the engineering team, but building out a, a, a lean Six Sigma desk. Oh, okay. So a pretty niche area of sort of engineering, manufacturing. Yeah, yeah. Um, used to work with a lot of management consultancies, Okay. Um, some, you know, good fee value. But I, um, so I joined Michael Page in September 2008. How big were they at that point? Still, I like don't know. Big. They were bigger then than they were a few months later because that was, that was the oh, week shit, that, yeah. you know, Lehman Brothers collapsed. Yeah. And so, you know, not the best time to get into recruitment. Mm. But, um, so did you have to then, what, change sector that you recruited in? Or? No, 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 no. It was just really tough. It was a fairly robust sector. I mean, you, you know, people who were recruiting back in 2008 will remember... Yeah, you know the downturn. A lot of people, you know, did unfortunately lose their jobs. There was, mm. you know, some sectors more than others. You look at property and construction; they were they were hit massively. Yeah, and I remember actually at Page, some of the guys when I first started, I think some of the the um, guys from the Dubai office had come over on a trip, and they'd been billing silly amounts of money. Yeah, um, you know, strutting through the office. Yeah, yeah, you know, classic. The, you know, top performers. And then, you know, I remember a couple of months later, you know, most of them weren't working in recruitment <laughs> oh, anymore. No. That, that, I mean, Crazy that, how that, that can market, happen, right? Yeah, yeah. It, re it really dropped off. Mm. Um, but, yeah, no, it was, it, so it was a challenging time mm. to be in So how long was you there for? I was there just under a year. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. How were those 12 months then, like, really, di like, difficult? Oh, yeah, look, I think any, you know, when you start any career, I imagine it's, it, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, it's going to sure. be difficult. You're going from university and a gap year and, yeah, and not yeah. needing to to you know get up and get into an office every day mm. you know back then and i know it's different recruitment's changed a lot you know yeah, in the yeah. last 10 years but you know it was strict eight or seven 
eight till seven. Yeah, yeah. Ooh. You're at your desk five thirty on a Friday. You get to finish. Oh, oh brilliant! Um, it's, I'm, I'm sure. I'm, I know it's different now. I mean, yeah, like yeah, of I course, say, of course. The world of recruitments, you know, it's it's evolving. Mm. Um, but yeah, it was it was full on. Mm. Interestingly, and I guess at Page, you know, massive, massive company, mm-hmm. amazing training. I remember going to do training in Manchester. And, oh, okay. And you know, great exposure to some really phenomenal recruiters, people yeah. who'd 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 progressed in that in that business. Um, but I was in quite a unique situation where I was in a team that reported directly into, I think it was the ops director, who was probably three or four layers above what you typically report into. Oh, wow, so okay. Paige, you know, you'd have a manager. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't remember the, the hierarchy and AD mm. and sort of a few levels up. Um, and then I think that ops director, um, you know, was even promoted to regional director while I was there. So I didn't have anyone... He, he was spending time across the different offices yeah, that he yeah, was yeah. responsible for, which was great. It suited me because I'm, you know, quite entrepreneurial. Yeah, yeah. So you had a lot of free space to... A lot of free space, well, more than you typically get yeah, at Page. Sure. But um, in all honesty, I mean, I left and, and, you know, ended up setting up my own business. I always mm. wanted to do that. And yeah. working for a large company, you know, didn't necessarily suit me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, How quickly did you know that? Was it like quite early on or? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You knew that. Really early on. Yeah, yeah, I probably enough. knew it before I even joined. But, yeah. you know, you think you need some, you know, you need to give yourself the best chance of of learning as much as you can early in your in your mm. career. So... Was there any, any, before we move on then, was there any like key learnings in that first 12 months that sort of really helped you for like further yeah. on yeah oh definitely i mean that was my grounding in recruitment that was yeah. my recruitment process that mm. was you know i think i love even now when i hire people from a recruitment background if they've worked for a big company or somewhere that is inevitably a bit more rigid in terms of that management yeah. structure and kpis and the activity levels that you need you've just got that innate appreciation for you know more effort equals more results yeah, more yeah, yeah, yeah. You get out. yeah, so, yeah. you know and i think if you are going to run your own business, you know, you can't escape hard work. You need to no. be motivated and get on with it. And I think at those early stages of your career, not everyone is, is quite so likely to be as self-motivated. Mm. So actually having a bit of structure, being Can really know, help. told to, to, to get on with it, it, it helps. And look, I, I enjoyed it, you know, worked with some brilliant businesses as well, mm. you know, got some, some pretty, you know, decent success you mm. know for first year in was it permanent you did or was yeah, it contract permanent. nice okay permanent, cool. and it was you know it was an interesting i think michael page you look as an organization so big you'd often be focused on a on a, a niche geography where we were operating it was a finite client base of sort of 50 to 100 businesses really consultancy space and so we'd work with them all across europe Oh wow! So that that was nice. It was you know it was that exposure to you know these top consultancy companies, yeah, dealing with some incredibly bright individuals on the you know candidate and, mm. and the client side. And it was interesting because lean Six Sigma as a concept, yeah, is about creating you know lean processes and as many efficiencies in whatever essentially whatever you're doing. It started you know originally yeah. from from Toyota and looking at that that line and and how you improve the positions of machines or where you organize your tools in a workshop yeah but actually then it was starting to be applied into to any organization and banks and you know mm. anywhere you can improve the efficiency that's really interesting yeah before um before we move on do, just just out of complete curiosity and we'll talk about this more no doubt but how how um how much of an impact did it have 
working for Michael Page when in, from a branding perspective? So like when you called people, prospects, people, whatever, and you said, hi, I'm, my name's James and I work for Michael Page. Mm. How much did that help you early on? Did, it, did you recognize that or yeah, did you not? I, I think it did. It, it did early on. And I think part of that was, you know, LinkedIn was still, you know, relatively in its infancy. Yeah. So not everyone in our world was 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 on LinkedIn. And I think that's where there's been a shift away from companies, the power yeah. of a database and a corporate brand to now your personal brand. Yeah. yeah You've yeah. got avenues for that. But um yeah, absolutely. In the early days it helped. helped and it, yeah. even if nothing else, it's it's if you're, you know, starting out in recruitment and it gives you a bit of credibility. Yeah, it may yeah. just give you a bit of confidence. Yeah, that, for sure. You know, I'm calling, I'm, I'm saying I'm calling from Michael You've got Page, that logo, They've yeah. heard of us. Yeah, you know, yeah, So I've got, you know, that... And that definitely helps early on. That definitely helps early on, yeah. Just Fair buys enough. you that credibility. Yeah, okay. So then after that, so and then after that, am I right in saying that you then started a, a rep-to-rep business, right? So, or got involved with a rep-to-rep business early on? Yeah, so I, I left Michael Page. Yeah. Um, wasn't sure after that if recruitment was for me. Really? And... Um, yeah, you know, I wasn't sure what to do. I, I was interviewing. I interviewed with a few search firms. Hmm. Um, and then I actually had a... I was in an interview process for a job at a financial PR firm in the city. Really? Thought, yeah, actually, away from recruitment and get into the city. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if I was thinking about something a bit more creative and, and got to sort of um, final stage of these interviews. And coincidentally... The rec to rec that had represented me at a couple of search firms after I left Paige yeah. had asked me to if I'd be um, interested to help her out on a project. So this oh, wow. was Haley who'd launched Paddington Partners, yeah. which, you know, absolute startup rec to rec business. Um, and I'd got this offer for a job in the city, yeah. but I had six weeks before I started. You know, I'd, I needed the money. I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm definitely keen to come and help out on a project. Yeah. And it was actually for, for one of, her early clients, Eames Consulting. Oh wow! Uh, down the road, um, sat on site with them to help out on this four-week project. It was actually focused on building their, um, building out their Singapore office. Oh wow! And honestly, it felt like a completely different industry. You know, mm. when you change environment and obviously going from a massive company to yeah. an absolute startup with two people mm. in a very different sector. You know, in, yeah. in, in an incredibly candidate led sector working overseas you know covering singapore i i loved it so was you recruiting people from the uk to go over to singapore or was you recruiting um, from the uk no, into mo- mostly singapore? i was recruiting in that market yeah so so as in from the uk but no so so looking for people on the ground in singapore oh okay they'd recently launched an office there and then you know we placed a few people in i subsequently ended up placing a country manager out there and, yeah yeah you know it was a great account for us to work yeah um, but yeah so didn't expect to you know, fall back into recruitment, especially <laughs> not into, into rec to rec. But I, I loved it. And one of the things I truly loved, I mean, I talked about that sector that, that I was operating in before, Lean Six Sigma within mm. engineering and manufacturing. Yes, I learned a lot and I think it was really interesting. But, I, you know, the, the people I was engaging with weren't, you know, I didn't necessarily have great yeah, natural yeah. rapport. I got you mean, yeah. You know, there were, a lot of these were sort of 50, 60-year-old guys yeah, who yeah, come yeah. from a very traditional education and background working the way up through engineering yeah. and you know a lot of respect for them learn a lot from those conversations yeah. but then going into recruitment where rec to rec is the only part of the industry where you're not it's not superficial knowledge you yeah. know like, you know you, if you're a i couldn't go on site and with a consultancy and, and give them advice on their you know re-engineering their processes whereas in recruitment in rec to rec you're dealing with the same industry that you're operating in mm. and i just love that and i thought you know still early in my career 
I'm you know, working for a startup, but actually it was the most amazing opportunity to learn an incredible amount because you've got all of these senior people that you're exposed to in the industry, MDs, CEOs of, of you know, small, medium, large organizations yeah. all over the world, candidates at every level, you know, every stage of their career. I saw phenomenal recruiters and you're yeah. able to learn so much from them. You sat in front of them and you're yeah, digging yeah, into yeah. their experience and what you can learn so from you them. Just, yeah, I, that, I, can, I can definitely relate to that, thinking about... That's what, to be fair, that's what I was really excited about recruiting from insurance to then mm. actually dealing with recruitment business owners and these things. I can mm. definitely relate to that as to that. That's what you're doing now on your podcast. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. How much more do you know about recruitment from oh, just dealing and speaking that's with That's what all I mean, yeah. And, I, and I've, I've really enjoyed that. I totally, mm. I totally get that. So, okay, cool. So, just to um, frame it up slightly. So, then how long did you work for that business? So, um, did a year or so in London, relocated to Singapore to open an yeah. office out there. Okay. Um, so it was about 18 months in London, actually. Moved over there, yeah. did three and a bit years over in Singapore. Singapore, yeah. And then moved back to launch Hunted. To Hunted, okay, cool. So let's unpack some of that journey because I'm sure there's some very interesting things around that. So, okay, I get get that you then sort of found this, you're just really excited with the, the rec-to-rec piece and the people you meet and all these things. So then I guess... So um, did you always initially at the beginning work on site with businesses or was it a lot no, of still a lot? Was, was that just an initial project? Yeah, and, and also if you think back, this was 2008 or no, 2009. There, um, you know, you didn't have WeWorks. You know, <laughs> Regis back then, I don't think had their business lounges. Yeah. Like, it was expensive to commit to an office. So we used to split time between a couple of client offices. Oh, wow. Worked really well. You're immersed in their Yeah, exactly. That must be really and, beneficial. You know, you, you've got people around you. So that was how we started before getting an office in Farringdon okay. um, down the road yeah. and then ended up moving to an office in Primrose Hill. Okay. It's a great spot for, for an office. Oh, I went there recently um, actually. Yeah, lovely spot. Yeah, it's really nice. Great pubs after work. Yeah, it's really nice. It's really nice. Um, okay. And so, no, it's probably longer than 18 months, probably two years that we were here in And London. what year was this roughly? 2009. Okay. 2010. And then moved over to Singapore. So why did um, you move over to Singapore? Would you, I'd been, fo- I'd, you know, Paddington Partners is global. Yeah, 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 yeah. So they've now got offices all over the globe. But back then, um, we saw one of our USPs was cross-border moves. Haley had actually lived in Singapore previously and, and built, I think, what was the first rec to rec in Asia out oh, there. Oh, wow. So having, she could really confidently communicate the culture over there, what to expect. Well, also she had a network, she knew the yeah. market, had you know an existing client base. And a lot of the clients that you work with in Singapore, they may be Australian businesses, mm. and so, or they may have an office in Hong Kong as well. And so if you were representing someone, say, from the UK that was interested in relocating overseas, back then there was, it was really hard to move to the US as, a, as an agency recruiter. Really? And that's completely changed over the last five mm. or so years. So where was it pretty easy? Was it Australia was a lot more easier? Yeah, so. Australia. I mean, Australia's got harder now. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Australia, um, that was easier back then. Singapore um, is, is relatively straightforward, typically if you've got a degree or five years' experience. Hong Kong is probably even easier. And then, of course, Dubai, mm. where it, it's, you know, it's really very easy to relocate over there, although yeah. just not as much opportunity. It's not as big a market. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, decided we, you know, could have looked to open on a first office overseas in Hong Kong, decided Singapore, um, loved it. You know, it was, it was an incredible experience. And especially having worked 
the market remotely and anyone who's done this knows you know what it comes mm. with challenges yeah but the longer you do that before then going there and being on the ground really it made it so it's so easy you know yeah. so i used to go out on trips I used to go out on a trip you know every couple of months to singapore fill the diary with with you know non-stop meetings yeah all day um which which was great it was you know, you'd be knackered. You'd yeah. land, you'd be jet lagged. Often land on a Monday morning straight into meetings. I think I remember some days to have ten meetings. You know, breakfast <laughs> meetings all morning, a lunch meeting all afternoon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. drinks with you know someone you placed in the in the yeah. evening. It was it was full on, but it was. Um, so then, so fun. then, when you was based in Singapore, was you? So uh, just so I understand it correctly, you was moving people around in the Singapore market you yeah, wasn't, and you was less so getting from people from the UK to both. Singapore it was so both. I think as we built that team and you know again one of the things that I've always I guess believed in building a business in recruitment is if you can ensure that the whole is greater than the sum of its parts yeah there's a lot of businesses in this industry where it's a bunch of individuals in a room who you know happen to be sharing a roof but they're actually building their own mm. micro business and I yeah, think yeah. we saw an opportunity with the international moves and having as we built the team, a specialist in Hong Kong, specialist in London, specialist in Australia and Dubai. Yeah. Because you're doing a lot of that cross-border, a lot of the cross-border moves, you, you split so many fees, you really do work together mm. and you're creating more opportunity for, you, for your colleagues. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it all comes back around. So about half of what we did back then was, was cross-border. Okay. But obviously when you're there, when you're on the ground in a small market like Singapore, you can really build a name and build a brand, build a network quickly where... Yeah. You know, rec to rec have always felt it can it can be the hardest sector to start in, but then it can it can become one of the best. You know, a market like Singapore, I loved it in that, you know, there wasn't a huge amount of competition. It was a small market, so you could really get to know the lay of the land. You could, you know, work with who you truly believe to be the best possible businesses out there. And it meant if you were dealing with a candidate that, you know, a great recruiter, you knew with confidence you could cover them off. And I think with London you just look at the size of the market here and the number of number of options mm. and i think you know a lot of the time people complain about the service from rec to rex yeah i think the almost that transactional nature of that sector is forced because you know as a rectorate your fee is the candidate it's such yeah. a candidate driven market of course, yeah if you're going to do the best job of looking after the fee you're often forced to get that person out to as many so businesses as, many people, as possible yeah, just to make sure it's covered because off. they might meet with another rector yeah, and they yeah, represent yeah. them they may sort of go direct so whereas in a smaller market like singapore you could really be a lot more quality focused you get absolute buy-in from that individual because you know the market you can yeah. share the the news and the moves and and really have your finger on the pulse and that just bought you more credibility which brought yeah, you nice. trust and time to then so you what, know, manage a, a, a process really yeah. efficiently. Just a bit on that then. There'll probably be um, um, a lot of people listening who may, may be thinking about moving abroad or have now got two, three years experience on their um, LinkedIn, so they're getting peppered by Rectorex saying, do you want to move to New York or whatever, right? So what, I'm sure it may, there's different nuances to different countries, right? But what what was the sort of typical conversation to help a recruiter make the right decision in terms of, should I move abroad? What are the challenges that I can expect to come with that? Let's just talk a bit about that, because yeah. I think you can add a lot of value around that for people. Look, for, I, for me, I think recruitment as a, as an industry, as a career, one of the absolute best things about it is how transferable the skills are and how in demand your skills are. Mm. You know, you've got one go on this planet. And, <laughs> you know, for me, it's international experiences and seeing as much of the world as you can. It's also, it's a people industry. And I think yeah. the more 
you can have a, a you know a global outlook and you know be adaptable to different you know circumstances and situations and people it's only going to sort of improve your ability as, as a recruiter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Not to mention, it's just, you know, it's such a fun thing to do, to go and experience an expat culture somewhere, go yeah, and experience, yeah. you know, the, the Singapore, for example. It's not just the, the you know, city-state itself, which is small. Mm. The quality of life is amazing, but it's weekend trips to Bali or to Thailand yeah. or, you know, experiencing Vietnam and that, that, you know, the entire region. And so be it Singapore, Hong Kong, Australia, you know, there's amazing opportunities for recruiters and but more, what, more than ever. What should people be thinking about though? Just just to like wrap up some of the things that they, the opportunity, I, think, well, I get all that, but I guess what, what should people be thinking about before they're like seriously considering moving their life over there? I mean, really, I think you shouldn't necessarily think I want to go overseas. Okay. You should think I want to go to a particular destination. You know, and if, okay. if, you've, if you've traveled and, and you've been to Australia, so you should you love definitely it think about a particular place as yeah. opposed to just anywhere, like somewhere yeah. that you and you feel inclined and motivated to go and excited by. Yeah, and absolutely. And if you if you're just keen to experience something different, then do mm. your research. Yeah, you know, go on to Hunted, check out our <laughs> worldwide series. You know, but yeah, it is, you know, it's about a lot of what we do at Hunted is sort of applying. You know what we were doing, what I was doing previously, yeah, yeah, yeah. And thinking. You know, back when you're at that earlier stage in your career, or you're not sure what you're doing, how do I make better decisions? How 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 do I become more informed? Mm. You know, around what my options are and how to maximize my career. Yeah. And I think just do do your research because you know different stages of life, different locations may appeal yeah. more. And I can I can imagine such a big move like that. Obviously, a recruiter has a obviously you're going to influence that person to a certain degree, but to want to move somewhere, you've got to come to that decision yourself as well, haven't you? And like yeah. just sort of really. Yeah, be be up for that, but ultimately comes that decision yourself with yeah. someone's help and guidance. Absolutely, and I think that the you know hiring organisations will always be very mindful of the risk of bringing mm. someone from overseas, and what they don't want to hear in an interview is, yeah, I'm you know considering Singapore, but maybe Hong Kong as well. Like they <laughs> want you to be so, so committed yeah, yeah, yeah. because it's it's just greater risk for them. They'll typically there's obviously the cost of visas they yeah, may yeah. set you up with accommodation for for a few yeah. weeks they may pay for your flights out there on top of you know yeah. you know the how many how many times did um <laughs> that's just a whole other variable like if i think of the experiences i had with candidates and stuff like how many times did you have people like bell when they're meant to get on the plane that must have been savage um you know that what quite a lot actually not much really and, and again when you've got a real you know a relocation involved yeah you're dropout rates are inevitably much less really fair enough well i mean what one of the you know you think of the logistics of it typically a company will say that you need to repay the relocation that, yeah, they, yeah, that yeah. they offered if you leave within 12 months and you know fair yeah. enough um but yeah there was you know it's, it's still that. Recruitment. That. Yeah. yeah there was a couple of um that'd be grim yeah there was a couple of <laughs> so okay and then and then did you come back and then you came back to the uk after that yeah yeah so what <clears throat> you know what brought me back was was hunted so mm. probably six to nine months before i left singapore started to think about you know applications of technology in, in mm. the rectorect world and and you know london is the it's the epicenter of, the, of yeah. the recruitment industry it absolutely is and i think not just from the the you know number of companies and number of recruiters here but it's the most advanced recruitment market in the world. Mm. Absolutely, we're seeing so much great innovation here in the space. And um, you know, we were building our our MVP, our initial product, with um, an agency out in Singapore. 
you know, the usual sort of cliche, you know, <laughs> going out to an agency in the startup yeah, world, yeah. you're always warned against that and rightly so, you yeah. know, cost more, took longer, yeah, massively yeah. underwhelmed with the product. Mm. Um, but then we brought it all in house when I moved back to, when I moved back to London. Really? So where did where did this the initial idea for Hunting come from then? Where did that um, where was that? Well, born? obviously working in Rec to Rec, you know, it's twofold. So Hunted was the the platform or the app that I wish existed when I was at Michael Payne. Yeah, so can you, it came from something that you wish you had. Uh, absolutely. So yeah. it, it's you know the the candidate side that was my experience. So you know, enjoyed Michael Page and what I learned there, but it wasn't necessarily the right environment for me. Mm. My first thought was, I'm probably going to leave recruitment. Yeah. When actually, you know, you don't realize outside of those four walls, and especially mm. today, I mean, it was not as much back then, but there's more diversity of culture, yeah. of people, of office environment. You yeah. know, this, this It is really hard to comprehend that right now in today's world, that, like the lack of information you'd have had access to okay. if you wanted to join another recruitment business. I mean, that's is, that is crazy. You know, especially if you're in somewhere like London, do you go and meet with a rec to rec and, and rely yeah. on their particular portfolio of companies? Do you jump onto yeah, exactly. Google and try and find recruitment companies? Especially if you look at the whole market. I mean, it's just fragmented over the last 10 years. There's mm. so many thousands of businesses. And people tend to go from a larger organization to a smaller one. Mm. But the smaller ones are the harder ones to find. Mm. And, you know, if you're That's a smaller true. business, and this is where the flip side of our product, it came from understanding the pains and frustrations of a lot of the businesses that were, that were emerging in Singapore and in London. Yeah. And they may have been the top biller from a, from a page or a, or a talent to out yeah. there. And then they set up their own business and then they have a real challenge getting people get more people to know who they to, are to come and, and see who yeah, they yeah. are and if they've really taken the time to build a strong EVP and they're going to mm. really look after their their staff then there was just there was a real lack of visibility for the talent seeing what's out there but also you know inability of, for the companies to actually broadcast their employer brand to the people that they want to know about it yeah yeah so, okay so that that's where the initial idea came from yeah, yeah that, that makes a lot of sense and then so how so how um how old's it hunted now then? Like how many years have you been, so, been in this, I mean, on this journey? I for? guess from inception, like idea, probably five years. Really? And then, you know, a long phase working with How long Guy. did it take for the app to uh, sometimes those things um, take a while, didn't yeah, they? Yeah, so probably a year before we actually actually release something. From really? an idea, you know, yeah, then you're yeah, building, yeah. you know, you're looking at devising your product and you know, it wasn't the most straightforward product for us to release, <laughs> you know, it was a two-sided marketplace, yeah, which comes with its challenges, of course, obviously as well. But um, yeah, about a year. I think when it got real for us was when we bought the domain, really. Oh, when we saw we were looking for a name, we were looking for what we call it. And then where did just, name, where did the name come from? It, we were, we were looking online. We we're looking for ideally a .com. Didn't think that we'd yeah, get it. Yeah, you know, yeah. what it was going to you know cost a crazy amount. Came across hunted .com. And it was, yeah. It, oh, well, was, this, it makes sense. It's a great it word. It makes sense. But like, it does make sense. And it's strong and it's, you yeah. know, it's memorable. And we, you know, we, so I'm we sure there's a lot of recruiters listening now that feel hunted by Rex. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure. <laughs> a lot of people out there being hunted by recruiters. But yeah. I think back then as well, I think, you know, the most recruitment companies were slightly more traditional names. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. wanted, we, we were, no, we I wanted think to be word. disruptive with a product. We wanted to be disruptive with our marketing. We wanted mm. to be disruptive and just really delight users. And I think brand was so important in an industry where it's really hard to build a brand. Yeah. And that's because brands are built through word of mouth. And, mm. you know, job search is a really covert thing. Mm. Not many people talk with their colleagues that yeah. they're out interviewing for another job. Mm. And so to build a brand 
within the recruitment space. Mm. You know, it was challenging. So we knew, you know, strong name, instantly recognizable. Um, and then what came next was, you know, the next however many months were a content strategy mm. because we just knew that this industry was horrendously underserved mm. with quality content. Yeah, I'm talking sure. about the recruiters, you know, yeah, the, the yeah, 90% yeah. of the industry. There was lots of, you know, content for decision makers, for marketing directors, for managing directors, because obviously there was a commercial opportunity. Yeah. You know, they were the purse strings, but no one was really creating content for the for the rest of the industry. Yeah, so true. And so we set about right from the start, it was designed, and it still is today, to inform, to inspire and amuse. Um, we... You know, it was n not easy to start. To I was going to say, like, how did how did people receive it early on? Because I'm sure a um, lot of people now, even, even some people that don't know, they might have a bit of an inkling as to who hunted or whatever. But it's always interesting that evolution of like it, that point where you would have gone through, you and Guy or whoever, like people saying this is a stupid idea, what you're on oh, about. To, yeah. now, to now, it's like, oh my God, well, the great the, idea. The, the da, best da, da. example of that is our good mate, Tom Wish. <laughs> who I remember telling him, who, who's now our content manager yeah, yeah. At, at hunted and has you know done a phenomenal job but you know early days i remember meeting wishy at the pub with guy yeah. and some other mates and a few worked in recruitment yeah, yeah. talked them through the idea and wishy straight away oh never nah, do it It'll never, never work. work yeah, yeah, yeah. and so and that you know that was that was a nice little inflection point for us when mm. as soon as we knew that wishy bought into it and yeah. he got it and he, yeah. he could see what we were doing mm. that we could convince anyone <laughs> he's the most cynical person that you'll meet um yeah but no and i guess it, it came down to like we had this idea of the content strategy and then a certain satirical character <laughs> came along and was our you know i guess a bit of you know creative guerrilla marketing so, mm. you know how do you build trust and really try and, you know, we were trying to galvanize this community. We want this, this sense of us in the recruitment industry. And um, Ed Hunter was was how we did that. You know, started yeah, yeah. with, you know, it was sort of standalone blog. Mm. Um, you know, we adopted him in, in, in early days. Yeah, and it's similar, so you know, it, was it was early on on the, the Hunter journey then? Yeah, the so Ed was, that, was, that was, I think, possibly just as we released our mobile apps. Because to start with, we weren't a website. We didn't have a website for really? a year or so after we launched. It was only a mobile app. Um, and so having that blog, I mean, that was, you know, building that following on LinkedIn was our way of just getting an in with an audience. Of course, yeah. we were able to retarget people through Facebook and Instagram ads, yeah, 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 yeah. which has been amazing. But I think the shift... Ed's been really important for this and it still adds a different dimension to our content. But mm. what's been really great is that afforded us the the time and the readership to then actually get the rest of our content seen. Yeah. And, you know, it's, you know obviously 90% of our views in early days were all for, you know, Ed. Mm. Um, now, you know, it's probably... It's about ten percent of our yeah. views on the on the blog. So for for those that maybe listen that don't know who Ed Hunter is, what do like, they even work in recruitment? <laughs> but how would you obviously? I definitely recommend checking out. But like, how would you describe he Ed is, Hunter? He is the the wolf that you may see on on LinkedIn, um, and yeah, just a satirical cartoon wolf mm. who you know the 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 real person behind Ed. You know, works in recruitment and mm. experiences all the things that we as an industry experience. Yeah. And, you know, his, I think his job, I think it says on his LinkedIn bio, is keeping recruiters sane. <laughs> and often, you know what it's like. Yeah, you, you, know, yeah, you yeah. need that. You need that break. And, you know, if you can't laugh at yourselves, then, mm. you know, it's just 
looking at all of the, the amusing yet of sometimes painful frustrating yeah, things yeah, that yeah. go on in in the day-to-day of a recruiter so um look before we go into sort of um how you see things evolving and sort of what your viewpoint is i think well and i found myself in this position but you found yourself obviously free rhetoric and stuff anyway but now we've hunted just in such a unique position to sort of have an an understanding of um where the market is or how it's evolved obviously still being um very much involved in terms of what motivates people to move and all these things so i guess what what's your any sort of advice or things to share around what because at the end of the day sort of a recruiter uh, as we've already said will always get feel like there's an opportunity outside of their four walls right as soon as they get a couple of years experience so like what what do you from your whole time in in this space and game like if i'm a recruiter right now and i've got a couple of years experience and i'm sort of thinking right is it the business this is my first job in recruitment um i'm not sure i see a future in where i'm at or whatever like what should what should people really keep an eye out for or when they're meeting new businesses or whatever do you know what i mean like is there anything in there that is worth talking about you know what, in my short time in recruitment, you know, like mm. 10 years I've been in the industry, <laughs> I've lived and breathed in yeah. the recruitment, you know, a year at Page and then Rectorec, yeah. you know, this industry as a whole. And I think it's been so, I've, I've always loved the industry. Yeah. I love how entrepreneurial it is. I love how meritocratic it is. Mm. You know, there's some just phenomenal success stories. And again, I was, ex- I was lucky. I was in a position, I was exposed to some, some incredible success stories. Yeah. Um, at every you know stage in people's careers, but I think today the industry is you know it's shifting at an incredible pace. There's so much innovation. Mm. Um, there's you, the the career of a recruiter today is not what it was ten years ago. For it sure. can be. I think that's one thing. The industry you can you can operate as you've operate as, as businesses have for the last yep. twenty years, and if you execute well and you've got good processes, you can be incredibly successful. Whether that will be the same forever, I don't know. Yeah. But there's also different ways of being successful in this industry today. And, mm. you know, you just look at some of the, you know, emerging agencies, you know, in, in London, whether it's sort of on-site embedded solutions, mm. whether it's technology enhancing a candidate experience or, or giving more visibility to, the, to a line manager or an employer, mm. whether it's the applications of video in a process, whether it's integrating a you know more diverse service offering around yeah. employer branding and consulting mm. on a on a talent strategy um or you know disruptive pricing you know why do people charge a fee per hire is it always more work to play someone on 50k than it is to play <laughs> someone on 40k and i think yeah, yeah. you know i think there's a lot more businesses that are questioning the way things have been done so should recruiters be thinking about those types of businesses yeah, I, well, and be aware I, of that look one of our you know i think that there's going to be more diverse opportunity for recruiters you know, day by day, Today, yeah, for there's sure. more and more options. So it's sort of work out what your strengths are, mm. work out what you enjoy. And some people will love the, you know, the, the, the traditional um, high intensity, yeah. you know, sales floor, the yeah. traditional recruitment environment. They'd love to just get three promotions in two years and be managing big teams and, you know, prepared to put in that work. Then there's other people that are very different and just are passionate about helping a, a smaller number of client organizations mm. and they want to you know look at their diversity and inclusion mm. initiatives and they want to be promoting mental well-being within their client and just really yeah, being yeah, that yeah. partner and adding as much yeah. value as possible so i guess really reflect and think about what you really enjoy and what your strengths are and all these things yeah, yeah. 
Absolutely, and, and look, it's still massively a people business. Often mm. you could be at one company and the only reason that you're there is because you've just got the most incredible manager. And that's, you know, that's amazing if you found that or you've yeah, just yeah. got a brilliant, peop- brilliant team of like-minded colleagues that, you know, if you enjoy coming into the office and you work in recruitment, like that's a major part yeah, of yeah, it. Yeah. Yes, you could move down the road for a slightly better commission structure, but are you going to be as capable to, you know, generate the same revenue yeah, if you're yeah. not happy day to day. So um, another thing that I'd like to get your thoughts on from everything that you've seen, like what, what's been, um, what's been like, so have you, have you been around or been involved or seen like big, big, big billers, like million pound plus? Yeah. Or, yeah. 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 What, from what you've seen then, like always interested to hear people's perspective on this, like what, what, what are some of the common things that you see in those people? Um, yeah, good, good question. And I guess it somewhat fits into what I would tend to look for when I'm hiring, hiring someone. Okay. You know, if I look, you know, met thousands of recruiters. Yeah, yeah. And for me, it came down to, to you know, three things. You know, okay. I look for three clear things. The top thing for me was always likability. Really. And I think you know that's close. It's EQ. But if you can sit in front of someone and within seconds you just sort of like them, mm. or you know, I think likability just breeds trust. Okay. Trust in recruitment is incredibly powerful. Big, yeah. You know, it's if you are empathetic, you're you're very likable. Yeah. And these are such important traits to get buy-in and trust from people. They were less likely to muck you around. They'll yeah, be, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. just completely upfront with you. Um, they'll want to help you. And again, you can ask for advice. I think um, likability is. I can't remember meeting any top billers that that didn't know, have that. Didn't have that. Mm. Um, next. You can't escape a good work ethic in recruitment. Yeah. Just that attitude. If you complement that likability with a strong work ethic, you're prepared to put in the you know the the hard graft, then you're going to be successful. And then mm. the third thing that you know really takes you to the next level is is ability to really work smart. So some real you know intelligence and mm. being able to to you know look at ways that you can be more productive and. I guess be smarter with the the you know what you've got. What you've got, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, that's that's interesting. Then I guess just to sort of time with that, I guess from even to talk about your own journey with this and the challenges that you've come up against. Like how how does mindset fit in that? From your, I think you're talking about the smart being smart. There is probably tapping into that, but yeah, I guess for you, you must have been through some real challenging times and these things. Do you yeah. know what I mean? So like how the mindset piece then? How does that? fit in from your own experience and also what what you're seeing in recruiters and some of the big billers that you've seen like where yeah. where does mindset fit in that oh it's it's huge i think you know things like that you know work ethic mm. you, that's hard if you can't motivate yourself if you're yeah you know if you can you have that work ethic if you work from home absolutely <laughs> I, not for me i'm I, I, i've been you know do it one day a week occasionally yeah, yeah, yeah. I love being in an office. Yeah, no, I agree. I'm the same. I'm the same. I do. But no, you absolutely can. And I think, you know, that's another point. I mean, working from home, it's a results industry. Working from home and flexible working is just, it's, it fits so nicely with recruitment. Yeah, it does. You can't, you can't, you can't hide from your results. Yeah. yeah. Um, But yeah, look, I think that sort of mental resilience as a recruiter in the industry, starting a business in any sector, Mm. but starting one within this sector, you really do need to keep that positive mindset for me but i having was it spoken much about that when as you were like do you know what i mean during your time in rhetoric like was that was that spoken about much in terms of like being around positive people and having this positive mindset do you know what i mean um or not really 
I don't know if it was necessarily spoken about. It was just. I guess you you people look for culture fit. Yeah. So if you've got a really positive bunch of people and there's a real buzz in the office, you know, you either yeah, fit into yeah, that or yeah, you yeah, don't. Yeah, yeah. Fair enough. That's, you know, I've I've worked with brilliant organisations where you could probably hear a pin drop in the office. You mm. know, it's a small. Oh, I'd find that hard. And, I would. Yeah, it's just but that you know again, it's the beauty of the industry. Like yeah. everyone can find their fit, whatever mm. culture, whatever environment, whatever working style or management style that suits you yeah go out and find it you know, yeah because it, it's out there yeah for sure okay so let's um let's talk a bit about i guess <laughs> where hunted is where you see it going the evolution that you've seen within the industry and i mean you've already talking about there's just so much yeah, innovation how, how long have we got <laughs> <laughs> so much innovation <laughs> going on in the industry but again at the same time i think that's you mentioned about creating content and uh, that was a big reason as to how this podcast came about because there just came a point in my career where I wanted more knowledge, which my colleagues unfortunately couldn't give me just because it was I wanted more knowledge about um, the online piece and all these things. But also I thought, I mean, I was in an agency of eight people, so there's got to be more people in recruitment that I can mm. learn from. That was just always my mindset. So I guess, as you said, you're creating a... You're, like not many people people right now may not know there's a lot of innovation going on in recruitment yeah do you get what i mean that's yeah, the great absolutely. thing about this podcast that we can actually give this knowledge and information to people so i guess so you've already mentioned a few things but i guess what what have been some of the biggest changes that you've seen and sort of what what you see happening and, and how you see it evolving yeah and look, i guess you know that context of us partnering mm. up now a lot of that you know as i spoke earlier about the content we were producing originally through a blog mm. this is absolutely an extension of that yeah. you know and if you can help inform people and inspire them through sharing information and success stories mm. and shed a light on all sorts of different topics in the industry you're only going to ensure that they're better placed to maximize their career they're going to make yeah. the right decisions and Th but that's so also much. been evol of evolution, right? Because if I think about when I made, when I came up with the genius idea in my office and go, right, guys, we're going to create some videos. Yeah. And these people looked at me like completely distraught. But the first thing my consultant said, that I always remember it is, well, no, what about our competitors and they see our videos? Oh, yeah. Do you know what I mean? So like that must have evolved well, we, you through know, your... Had that. It's funny, we've had that on Hunted, a company not wanting to come on board because they're so proud of what they've built. And they think that their competitors are going to copy that. That's what I mean. But actually, you've just got to look at what the net positive will be. And mm. in reality, getting exposure to thousands of recruiters is going to have a much bigger positive yeah. impact on your talent strategy. But how different are you, though? Do you know what I mean? Like, what are you doing that's so different? There's going to be a lot of different things, but at the same time, and actually, you for know, it to be like a complete secret, though, and be like, no, oh, like, I'm not, do you know what I mean? That's changed a lot, I think. It has. And, and I think, look, every business is different. Even if on paper they offer all the same things, they're different people. Yeah, for sure. You walk into a different bit. Of course, they're different. You yeah, know, yeah, we've yeah. got, you know, one of the ways that we've helped is we've grown the volume of companies that are on Hunted and that we're representing. Mm. We looked at ways that we can actually differentiate them and enable people to search for what's right for them. And so we've got 58 different badges that businesses can tag themselves up with. And you can obviously search for a badge you care about from trivial things like, you know, duvet days and early mm. finish Fridays or a beer fridge or an office dog to much more meaningful things like uh, in-house L&D function or yeah. offering global mobility. And, and I think that just shows, I mean, we've got 58 different badges as a starting point of all the things that you could have as a business. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Obviously, that, that's, you know, that's still scratching the surface. Mm. But I guess you look back to what you were saying, that the industry is changing. And I, I guess for us, one of the big picture goals, what we're trying to achieve with Hunted is, you know, really put the power 
in the hands of the of the talent in a mm. candidate short market be in control of your career understand what's out there be given the the content through podcast through yeah. you know the the, the blog and, and what given the actual think. reality of yeah, to know know yeah. what, what your options are and and what incredible companies there are out there um and so transparency is huge for us but you know we like to think that through building these you know profiles on on the platform and driving transparency encouraging brands to share their commission structures mm. and really share the ins and outs of their business and their identity that it's only ever going to raise the standards as a whole because for it forces sure. you know it's it was always been just as hard for the best businesses to hire recruiters as it is for the average businesses and mm. that it shouldn't be that way yeah, it should yeah, be yeah. easier for the best companies to attract people mm. because they're really investing in their EVP yeah. and their, their proposition and it would then only force the you know the 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 businesses who aren't offering as yeah. as, as strong a value proposition will force them to up their game. Yeah, no, I, I do like that, and I think just out of curiosity, actually, just got me thinking when you're talking about that. Like, so from what what I see online from recruitment businesses advertising for um, talent and promoting their businesses, I, I I do feel like they always end up going down the same path. Do you know what I mean? Like big bill of lunches, I mm. be for trips, just promote the. To, not all of them, but a lot of the time, I'd say 75% of the time, if I see a recruitment business advertise for their job, it's that, that's the go-to. Mm. Like, what, do you have any opinion on like how businesses can sort of best portray their business? Obviously, that's part of it, yeah. what you can, the rewards and what you can achieve, which yeah. is great. But what else should they, do you know what I mean? What other things should they be talking about and highlighting that's... Well, look, I think a few years ago, businesses were pretty restricted. In my mind, actually, when I was, you know, five, six years ago in a traditional rec-to-rec role, I grouped companies into two really distinct categories. Okay. And you've got one end of the spectrum, your S3 type model, where yeah. you know you hire a lot of junior graduates, trainees. Yeah. You have a really incredible process that means you can keep hiring them. And if you lose people, you can still keep growing. If you lose a top performer, you can plug that gap with the next incredibly yeah. well-trained, well drilled you know recruiter yeah. into that role and so you're not exposed if you're losing someone that that's really brilliant and yeah. then at the other end of the spectrum you've got the slightly more grown-up environments that don't hire junior people they only hire very experienced people they reward them incredibly well very flat structures lots of principal consultant type environment mm. and they ensure that they do everything they can to not lose them you need mm. to make it so compelling to be there and reward them so well that they won't be thinking about setting up their own business. But I think where companies struggled was when they were, you know, that was only a small number in this end and small in that bracket. Yeah. All of the companies in the middle that were trying to be all things to all people. And, you mm. know, if you want to, at this end of the spectrum, recruiters would join and fast track progression. They could be, you know, running teams of 30, 40 people, you know, within four years of their recruitment career, which is amazing. At this end, they're just happy, working flexibly, a bit of time working from home, yeah. really grown up, strong reward structure. I think it's when you're trying to appeal to everyone mm. that you can sometimes lose and not just never really have a, an identity. But I guess things have changed because, you know, technology enables people to offer, you know, a flexible working. The infrastructure is different. The, you know, the cheap cost of workspace and we work. It's like you can offer so many more perks yeah, yeah, yeah. without massive financial outlay yeah you've got the you know um you know there's so many resources out there that are free for you know 
training and developing. You can offer a lot more even as a startup business. And then you add into that all the innovation that's going on, you know, whether it's the the adoption of technology or different pricing or an on-site solution. That Mm. creates a different, you know, opportunity Opportunity for recruiters as well. well. So I guess it's interesting. It's changing and it's, it's, it's becoming increasingly diverse, which is where, you know, our product we're completely overhauling at the moment redesign of all of the you know the the discovery and and the company profiles more dynamic content and mm. it's just to, to keep people better informed of what what's what going the on yeah are. and i i just think my opinion on that is just i just think like more companies need to i know it's easier said than done but just really double down on their people and like showcase because at the end of the day like have have my own experiences with my career and the businesses I've chose to work for and it's always come down to the people that I met in the room and mm-hmm. come back to like did I like them and can I see myself working with them and I just feel like obviously the the Rolexes and Ibiza trips is yeah that's going to motivate a lot of people which I get but I just think it I think it's just a lot more smarter and a good idea to actually promote the stories within your business and the yeah. people that you speak. That, that's just my view on that, I think. Yeah, Do you know what you I mean? Know, different stages of your career, you care about different things. Yeah, exactly. So, that's very true. you know, I think at times you probably enjoy the <laughs> trip to Ibiza. Um, <laughs> yeah, I definitely still enjoy that now, to be fair. Yeah. Um, okay, mate. So then... Uh, and then I guess what what's your um what what's on the horizon for recruitment then like what's like what what are you thinking on that because um, you, know you yeah it's going to accelerate you know the the innovation we're going to see it more and more it's been mm. interesting last few years we've seen innovation coming from outside of the industry you know you look at platforms like Hired and Talent.io mm. that you know coming out of Silicon Valley maybe and and looking at you know building a tech platform, a marketplace model, whatever it may be. Interestingly, those businesses, they might raise a huge amount of money. They inevitably end up building big talent teams. Mm-hmm. And this is because you can't escape that, you know, today. You can't escape the, the importance of the human part yeah, of, of course. the recruitment process. Yeah. You can improve it with technology. And what I think has been in- exciting is then to see the, the innovation that's emerged from within the industry. Mm. Um, and I think all of this is, you know, we're seeing more and more innovative businesses in the agency world emerge. We're seeing more diverse product offerings from your RPOs and, and yeah, yeah. global agencies, but also more innovation coming from, from you know, all sorts of different places. Mm. Um, so I think, yeah. It's exciting, so, isn't it? It is. it is exciting. And yeah, I definitely agree. I think thinking when um, when I worked at Hoxo, I was having weekly conversations with businesses that were just so focused on how can, how can they actually solve real problems for their clients and really be perceived mm. as an extension of, of the businesses they work yeah. with? Because I think, yeah, obviously the, there's always going to be a place for contingent deals and all that, but I think yeah. it is evolving in a way where actually how, how can my recruitment business solve a real problem and how can we add some real significant value and thinking about yeah. probably the first time where like pretty much you have with Hunted where it's actually thinking about the client yeah. first and thinking about the actual customer first when really it's a lot of the time recruitment it's like okay well what can I do to make this fee or whatever do you know what I mean yeah. and really flipping on its head and thinking about that customer well, you first look, you look where you know the last 20 years in recruitment we've come from a handful of household big brand names who had the power of the database you know you needed costly infrastructure and offices back then and fax machines yeah, and, yeah, yeah. you know the barriers have been completely demolished and the industry's fragmented but that has meant that there's greater com- competition than ever mm. not just 
you know, client side and winning business. So you want to have a differentiated offering and offer, you know, different pricing or yeah. add on solutions and services, but also then the competition for talent, but the innovation in the industry and that accelerating is so exciting for the people in the industry because yeah. that's creating more diverse career paths. Exactly. You don't need to just go down that traditional sales route. Um, you know, you could be passionate about all sorts of different areas. You look at, you know, podcasts as a way yeah. of generating business. So many people are talking about podcasts now, yeah, which is and, exciting. And writing and, yeah, and yeah. You know, all sorts of creative no, you digital are right. marketing. All of that plays yeah. a part. Running events, you know, that could mm. be an, if you're brilliant at running events, you're going to have an incredibly warm candidate network. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I just think all of this innovation is just creating such an interesting career path. That, you know, it should be, you know, recruitment gets a bad rep. Yeah, as it an does. Industry, but, you know, just what if, yeah. as, as, you know, the industry evolves, people see it as the talent industry. Mm. And actually a career in talent becomes really desirable. Mm. And it can mean one of many different things. It could be working with a third party. It could be working yeah. with an end client, I think. That will be exciting. It will. We're I getting think we'll Yeah, I think, yeah, for sure. But it's it's definitely going to be a long journey, isn't it? Yeah. Recruiters get a well, fucking Well, it bad happens name. quicker than you think. Yeah, yeah. I think, no, you're right. I do like where you went with that. And I, I think it's definitely true why... I've just seen like even on the hunted profiles on the jobs on there it's like talent community and mm. all the like when was a recruitment consultant ever be called a community builder or yeah. talent do, do you know what i mean so no I, I do think that and i think the only i think the way that recruitment is gonna improve its reputation and the perception is by really actually sharing the the value that recruitment businesses yeah. bring and, and being transparent, as you said, Absolutely. coming back to that, that's what that's that's what it is. If I think about the people I've sat sat down with on this podcast and spoken, like there's so many talented individuals in this industry. Yeah. Obviously, it just takes one one recruiter called Tom to not give someone interview feedback, and they can very easily share their opinion online or whatever. But yeah. There's so many people out there that um, are doing a great job and really thinking about their client and candidate first that hopefully doing things like this and things like Hunter can really sort of bring that to life and, and actually talk about that in, in a great way and give more people access to that, um, which I think brings us on to quite nicely as to how we got to this point where we're sitting in your uh, office in Chancery Lane doing this podcast. And I think that's what um, I'm just really excited about with, with the podcast. I've, uh, it's, I mean, I started this in my bedroom. Um, just And you've done well. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think it's just, but again, it's just come from that, it's just come from that place of what you said, really, just which has sort of come to me quite naturally where this is something that I wish I had when I, like when I was commuting to work an hour drive, yeah. And when I when I tried to find this for myself, I well, the stuff that I listened to just didn't resonate with me at all. Yeah. And I was like, "There's got to be more stuff out there," and I struggled to find it. So I was like, "Well, recruiters love talking about themselves. There's got to be some <laughs> people out there willing to talk." And I think, yeah, it's been it's been an amazing journey. But what I'm excited about and why I was really excited about sort of speaking to you guys and, and getting a partnership in places, I think that that's where we, we are really aligned is that, as you said, about what you want to do with your content. And that's what I want to do with the, with the podcast, just to continue to, to give value to the audience, offer, inform people. Oh, the lights just yeah. gone off. <laughs> we knew right. we should have paid the bills. <laughs> um, <laughs> James is currently moving, so the lights are on. <laughs> but no, I think that that's what I'm really excited about is to continue, make, take this up a notch, inform yeah. more people give more value and, and yeah. ultimately just give even more great information from from great people in the industry which is really exciting mate well good on you and you know amazing you know the number that you've done already and yeah yeah, yeah. That, you know, hopefully 
partnering with us, there'll be ways to yeah. Up the game well, I definitely and diversify. Definitely and, episode 100, mate. I want to turn that into a live event, mate. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I want to well, do that. You got to get Ed Hunter on as well. Yeah, we got. Yeah, I know. We got to do something. I don't know how we're going to do that. I don't know how we're going to do that. Yeah, but um, look, mate, it's been an absolute pleasure. Enjoyed Thank it. Thank you. And hopefully um, that was, you know, there was some useful, somewhat interesting insights sure. to the audience. For and, sure, definitely. Uh, and um, look, I think we'll, we'll have to jump in and do this again yeah. in a couple of months' time, but I'm really excited and I'm excited for how this uh, awesome. partnership's going to evolve. Yeah. Thank you. Are we nearly all the way with the lights? <laughs> <on>? <laughs>